is Keith Coogan. You may remember me as Kenny from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And you are listening to While You Were Streaming, The Dishes Are Done, Brian. Can I get you anything, Mr. Trainer? Coffee, tea, me? I'm right on top of that, Rose. The defense is wrong. Talk to me, Otomay. Say something. Sandwich! You only remember that my skirt accidentally twirled up. And you weren't wearing any underwear. Yes, hello, 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 and here we go. Welcome to the second full-length episode of While You Were Streaming, the movie podcast that breaks down the formative films from my youth and offers a desperate plea to Gen Z why these films are truly must-streams. All right, kiddos, break out your blockbuster cards. We're taking it back to the movies I saw at the mall. And today it is part two of our deep dive into Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead, 30th anniversary spectacular. Yes, I'm allowed to call it a spectacular. We have had two spectacular cast members from the film joining us. And today it is all about Keith Coogan, Kenny himself. This is a child star. Yes, he was five years old when he recorded Disney's Fox and the Hound, taking after his grandfather, Jackie Coogan. One of our first child stars, Jackie Coogan starred in Charlie Chaplin's film classic, The Kid, and later in life starring as Uncle Fester himself in the TV series, The Addams Family. Now, Keith Coogan, when he started out, didn't even take the family name. He wanted to, quote unquote, prove himself before adopting his grandfather's legendary name. We have later stories for later days about adventures of babysitting and hiding out. But today it's all about the classic that is Don't Tell Mom. And it's a classic, not a cult classic. Keith does not like that word. You will soon find out. Keith was such a fabulous guest. He takes us through the whole process of making the film, the aftermath, and the legend that continues. Keith is such a great conversationalist and drops some amazing cameos. There's River Phoenix, there's Christian Slater, there's John Candy, there's Rodney Dangerfield's ball sack, which is really breaking news. We're going viral on this one, kids. So buckle up, enjoy the ride. And before Keith Coogan, Bridget Carroll Brennan, my BFF from NYU, is back to join us for a quick rundown of some iconic moments, favorite characters. And yes, we're talking about those tangerine tights. We have to pick like three to five scenes that Gen Z can hold on to for like a life lesson to get out of this. It's taking a Mama Celeste and flipping it to make an important critical life decision. Oh, totally. The kids actually are excited for a, uh, a summer without parental supervision until they realize they have dropped the babysitter off along with all of their cash. So someone needs to get a job. So in the movie, they flip for it. A Mama Celeste frozen pizza face up. I got to work. Says Sewell and Crandall, Mama Celeste face down, you're selling carnations on a freeway off ramp. And I don't know about you, but I still use that in my day to day. I will go to the freezer and sure mine's a lean cuisine, Swedish meatballs face up. But still, I take to the freezer as my oracle, flip it in the air, see where it lands. And of course, if it's not the answer, we do best two out of three. That's an iconic beat, right? This Mama Celeste. Totally. And also just speaks to like, that generation be teenager and frozen pizza but we have to talk about clown dog well yes i mean the the whole build up to her seasoned career as an esteemed executive administrative assistant is contrasted by her first job where she is working with mr egg at the clown dog with a really fun squeegee to clean the spitballs off the drive-thru window 
So that was uh, definitely when I first watched this with my friend uh, while her dad was having like a super steamy sleepover. Uh, that was one of the lines that we would quote nonstop was, you get to clean the spitballs off the drive through window with a really fun, fun squeegee. squeegee. Like, we would say all the time. And the fact that guy's name is Mr. Egg. <laughs> Mr. Egg. The clown dog scene is critical. Not only do we meet Mr. Egg, who really is like a top three cameo in the movie, um, but we meet Brian who's played by Josh Charles, which is Sue Ellen's love interest. Young Brian in his classic clown boy wedge cap. What a charmer. What, like, genius casting. I know Josh Charles had already done Dead Poets Society, but all-star casting. Oh, for sure. And he's super, super cute, charming, like, not too much of a pretty boy. And, and like, as a young teenager girl who was watching this, I was always smitten with him. And I was like, oh, he's so cute. He's so sweet. And he's so, you know, like, it's this, like, you know, realistic boyfriend type so oh my god it's a young boy all he wanted to do was get on that big bouncy ball at the toys r us and just bounce through the aisle on a little like bouncy ball date and what what does it go they go to grunion canyon what's it called well no the grunion run the oh the grunion run sorry i'm mixing grunion canyon with the grunion run aka grunion canyon (laughs) (laughs) it's not a canyon it's a beach it's a beach well now i know i know Um, oh my god we go to clown dog we meet brian but you know, Sue Ellen quits. She's not a minimum wage girl. She tries it. Um, she's more of a career gal. So I need to highlight this is one of the most successful movie montages uh, to date. Sorry, Mean Girls. Sorry, she's all that. Sorry, Clueless. Although Clueless is up there, I got to admit. But this is a pretty classic oh, uh, yeah. movie montage. Sue Ellen trying all of her mom's like 80s power suits on. The hairography, the the makeup, the the walk to work. You know, just seamlessly gets her from her do-it-yourself resume lies into GAW, where we meet the receptionist. She's giving me C-word vibes, this receptionist. No, she's the absolute worst. I mean, and she is, you know, really the villain in this story. And let's be honest, like, she's trying to take Swell down. She's miserable. This actress has a lot of range, though. I don't know if you remember another role that she was in. Because watching this, I, I was reminded of uh, her. Hello, kindergarten cop. role. And yes, kindergarten cop is like the wife of this child abuser where she's, uh, you know, definitely shows a different side. So kudos to this lady. I don't know her name. Hopefully you do. Oh, yes. We give her major kudos. She is uh, Jane Brooke. Um, major credit name? to Jane Brooke. Her role is Carolyn. You know, later on when Brian, the clown dog guy, is in the waiting room or the reception area with Carolyn and Swell and finally realizes who his sister is. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, my boyfriend's sister is the wicked witch who's at the front desk trying to take my job it's oh and the part i could not believe this part really broke credibility for a movie called don't tell Mother the babysitter's dead we shouldn't do credibility checks but when carolyn gets visited by brian and then sue ellen snooping she goes do you have a problem sue ellen and brian turns and he's like oh there must be another sue ellen that happens to work here there's only one sue yeah. ellen in all of la and he doesn't 100%. even like barely looks around when they drop that name yeah you know that and talking about? like oh that's funny that's my girlfriend's name i've never met anyone named sue ellen this isn't like 1930s in the <laughs> south like what ah! no like it's uh, it's so bizarre can we talk about the fashion in the general peril west runway show because i feel like that's another yeah. like star standout moment is nicole the nurse in her tangerine tights becky the the chef the referee i mean 30 years later these uniforms have not caught on well like no. <laughs> no i've never seen a nurse in fuchsia 
I have never seen a ref doing a leg kick in a satin purple blouse. Uh, <laughs> well, and wasn't the the idea that thank you, they Katrina, sell this... thank you, Katrina. <laughs> those those are so good. Th- those moments, but <laughs> those wasn't the whole idea that they're taking their uniforms that they make for these industries and they're gonna adapt them for like high schools or something right oh yeah it's the wave of the future but like times they are a changing yeah like oh i'm going to my like social studies class but let me put on my bellhop cap like i don't know if any kid would go for that no matter what decade so it was a good idea as well i would kill i'm not even joking with you they in la they turned uh, a kmart into the britney spears zone so you'd have the britney spears experience Mm -hmm. You know, they do these experiences. I would kill for the General Peril West experience to go to someone's backyard with that pool, get those same costumes, that same tech synthesizer. I want the kids serving hors d'oeuvres in General Peril West, you know, baseball uniforms. I want Park It Yourself Metallica breath. I'm just waiting for a designer to take influence. You go to H&M now, you see them printing all this Friends merch. Like, I want the same thing for the General Peril West uniform line. I would buy right off the mannequin, the pandrine tights. Like, I'm handing over my credit card. Super dry. It's perfect. We're bearing the lead about Kathy with the QED report. When we talk about, like, actors who completely broke out of a stock part, I could not get Kathy from the QED on the line. Um, Was she sick? No, I've been trying to seriously get her on an interview. Wait, what's her name? I'm mad. Kimmy Robertson. Oh my God, thank you for just holding it up to the Zoom. Kimmy Robertson. I've been stalking you on Instagram because as much as I give credit to the lead, it's like the small parts, the Gus, the Mrs. Sturak, and truly Kathy with the QED report. Not only is she oh so well and teaches her how to make a fax. I mean, that in of itself is enough. But I mean, Kathy shows up at the final party with a jello mold and she goes, oh, great house. Oh, wow. I brought a jello mold. Who knows that? I know that. I know she brought a jello mold because she really sold it in her delivery. This is my husband, Howard. Oh, wow. I know Kathy's husband. These are things I remember 30 years later because this actress brought such whimsy and comedy to the part of frazzled Kathy who can slay the QED report. And Brie, yes, I did hear your reference to the temp. When Sue Ellen's looking for Kathy and she can't find her, she goes into an office and finds a woman. And Brie, what does the woman say to her? I don't know. I'm just a temp. But <laughs> I think it's like less about just like what she says. Also, she, the woman looks like she's dressed for prom. She prom! Big dress on, this big pink dress on, and like a big fancy hairdo. And she's so bewildered at this computer. And <laughs> Bree, just- you really just helped coin a new segment in while you were streaming. The one line assassin. And that's exactly what that temp is with one line and one look. She slayed. That's a, just a day player who just did her job. So congrats, whoever that actress is out there. No, totally. And I think, like, touching on Kenny, who uh, is also another amazing performance in this movie, because it is super, you know, the cliche, stereotypical, like, stoner dude, but he sells it really well, and he does have, like, this really sweet soft side. So I think, you know, actually, his whole arc and his, um, oh, what's the right word? that I'm looking for like his evolution I guess throughout the movie it's so satisfying so you see him at the end and again spoiler alert like what he kind of evolves into and you see where he's going in his future and you're like go Kenny like you really root for him in like in in a genuine way and I think also to your point Kenneth yeah like 
Kenneth, exactly. Helps sell the movie. Oh boy, does he ever. And you so are going to be rooting for the real life Kenneth. Keith Coogan is such a mensch, such a sweetheart. You could so see why his personality and kindness shines. Keith has worked with so many incredible stars and has so many cool run-ins. So this conversation is not only peppered with some great don't tell mom facts, trivia games, but also some really wild run-ins with some uh, notable figures. Thank you so much for listening to While You Were Streaming, now available on Apple. So remember to rate and review me after this conversation with Keith. Let's do it. We have with us today on While You Were Streaming an icon. If I can use that word, oh, I'm going no, to jump in and no. use the word. He's been acting since he's five. He is, oh my God, he just held up, I'm on Zoom with him, an icon t-shirt. And that's who I'm looking back at. He started at five. <laughs> he's been going, bringing such true joy. Stop. Adventures Thank in babysitting. You. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Hiding out. Most recently, Jane Silent Bob reboot. We are looking at Keith Coogan, everybody. Hello, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us. The crowd goes wild. A big sell, man. I Wow. There's no way I can live up to that introduction, but thank you. <laughs> well, the least I could do. Wanted to just take a minute and just A, celebrate. We're here at the now 30th anniversary of Don't Tell Mom. In my mind, an iconic milestone to start my podcast on. No one better to hear from than the actors themselves. I had the pleasure to talk to Joanna Cassidy last week, the Rose herself, and she was just a dream and a delight to talk to. And she said such great things about you. So it's an honor to have the next member of the tribe on the Zoom here. Joanna Cassidy is amazing. Of course, she's Dolores. She's Zora. Um, she's uh, wonderful as Rose in Don't Tell Mom. It's so off-brand for her. And, of course, she can do camp. But she did it with such heart that that really becomes the picture. I think Christina, Joanna, you know, a woman relationship, a movie that passes the the Bechdel test that's impossible <laughs> yes I but love that you're leading uh, with that she, she I don't know if she mentioned that uh, we were at an autograph convention and uh, we'd have got tables next to each other and you know she's of course got Blade Runner and Roger Rabbit and uh, I'm mostly babysitter stuff over here with some Fox and the Hound and Toy Soldiers as a kind of way to hedge it all um and uh, she said that she was really surprised <laughs> the number of people that came up to her and with, I'm right on top of that, Rose. And um, <laughs> hey, boss lady. So she goes more than any other movie. Oh, and the other cast in, you know, Don't Tell Mom with David Duchovny and Kimmy Robertson and um, uh, G uh, Josh Charles and Conchetta Tomei and uh, all the kids. Five of us kids. Oh, God. Um, and Elvis. <laughs> And can't forget again, Elvis, who has, you know, <laughs> Elvis was a star before we worked with him. Um, he, he was on the poster for Accidental Tourist. He was Gina Davis's dog in Accidental Tourist. He got her that Oscar. <laughs> he we're, sure did. We're talking about the iconic dog of the Don't Tell Mom family here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Elvis. Elf, he helped us not get a Razzie. 
Well, he got his chew toy, you know. We got some of the petty cash money. You know, it's a chew toy. Take it back. Take it all back. <laughs> Take it all back. <laughs> That's what I love about Hotel Mom is quick and dramatic tone shifts from happy, oh, everything's fine, to Twilight Zone, you know, to um, just the, it, it'll set you up. And it, and also another thing is great respect for um, the writers. They, Neil and Tara wrote some a, a piece that had a quotable piece of dialogue every two lines every two lines and it's not even that we'll get to it but you've got some classics but even huh. the b lines even this little throwaway it's, like... it's just the chip that where does that come take it back get diamonds are forever oh my god you start picking any scene and then you can just keep going if that's something you're into if not then hey ho hey well, Keith, that's why 30 years later, this thing is a, a mainstay on HBO. Now it's streaming on HBO Max. And one thing I want to pay forward to you, a compliment. You said Joanna did a great job of mixing the camp, the comedy, and the heart. And your performance as Kenny, even though it leads with the comedy and the over-the-top, far-out, your arc as Kenny is equal to that of Christina Applegate's character, Swell of your journey from selfish little punk to heartwarming family man. What's your thought in terms of bringing Kenny to Kenneth? Was that on the page or did you get to bring a lot to that? It was totally on the page and I had a lot of input to create it. Um, it I think of Kenny as being more externally visualized. <laughs> and for Christina and Swell, it's more of an internal journey for them. And yes, she, you know, wears the office outfits and stuff but you know she is um it's more internal so uh an emotional kenny it's all external and i was really afraid of doing a stoner that was a caricature of mm -hmm. course it was heavily ripped off of spicoli and <laughs> uh bill and ted and Stephen herrick who directed um bill and ted's excellent adventure directed uh don't tomorrow the babysitter's dead and uh, so spicoli Bill and Ted, and I couldn't, I couldn't think of a third after the fact, after I did the movie, I saw River's Edge and I, and I, and I realized maybe it was more Keanu of Bill and Ted. Than, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Breaking down the secret alchemy of Kenny. It was really important that it, as bad as it could be at the beginning, that he had to be completely redemptive at the end and have a better direction moving forward. Like, I don't know what, culinary cameo or some shit like that and i love that transformation you were not just playing the typecast part you're you're shy brad who's <laughs> has that little lovesick crush on elizabeth shoe to then kenny to toy soldiers in just a short amount of time that's like an crazy kind of ping pong of character work not only do those movies make a splash they got bigger i imagine both those films adventures in babysitting and don't tell mom have only grown in status from when they first dropped till now I love how you say that i love how you say they got bigger i uh am not always a huge fan when people call them cult or that it at any time in print especially when they say that it was a box office bomb uh both of those movies performed very well for their budgets their marketing budgets right. turn don't tell mom though. you spend eight million dollars on a movie and maybe two to four million to promote it and the thing makes 37 million dollars you know that's not something to kick in the teeth about uh don't tell mom had maybe a smaller budget 
and uh, slightly more modest um, taking and less theaters. It was also in and both were released in the summer, which there's no way those movies would get released in the summer no. today. They would stick it in February or, you know, a kid's back to school movie or something. So it would be eaten alive by Thanos. <laughs> yes, no, Don't Tell Mom was able to absolutely triple its budget. It could never have done that now. It was interesting when you were talking about Don't Tell Mom and being on HBO and cable forever. I realized I do hear from fans with Adventures of Babysitting that say they wore their VHS out. <laughs> I don't hear that as much with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter because there's no need you know, really to have it. It's on cable every summer. It's on cable all the time. And I, said, and I just, that kind of was something that just dawned on me that format also, you know, has to do with experience. Chris Armstrong said there's two um, um, levels of luck. Yes, there's luck in being an actor. You know, there's luck that you even get a part in a movie. But then, like you said, there's the second layer is luck is does a movie get bigger over time, as you said. I have to use this as a segue to bring in a special guest. This is not David Duchovny, no. This is not Sean Astin. We have joining us a Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead junkie. My dad, Big P, is joining us. Hello, hello. Pleasure to be here. Hello, very good to see you. Pleasure to be here. I'd rather be there with you, but they say that we can't be together so hello well i love that you're cheersing with your coffee mug because my dad here preston we call him big p every morning and i kid you not this is not a bit for you keith every morning he starts his day with a cup of coffee and dad do you want to show your mug well it's uh it's been washed many times but there it is there is kenny and when i get my morning jolt of coffee every morning we start the day with of course one of your great lines is rock and roll. Diz, diz, Rock and roll. That's awesome. There's so many great lines in that movie. Pick any line and then you can just go forward from there. It's great. Absolutely. I love that. I love that you love them. Love, love Don't Tell on the Baby Series Day. That's so fantastic. You know why I wish, do you know why I wish the couch, Big P? Because it needed it. It needed it. I did not set him up for that. Wait, Keith, that's you don't understand. That's the line. She's not here, man. She's she's at the yarn store. She's crocheting this massive doily for the couch. I gotta go. Oh, that's one of my that's one of my top five. Wait, so Keith, I wanna give my dad the floor. This is hysterical because you're setting this up perfectly. And I wanted him to give you Big P's top five, rounding up the top five Kenny lines or moments that stand out. All right, it's it's really hard to narrow it down to top five. In fact, one of your main like dialogues, lines in the movie was a, a whole uh, you know, a bit when when you know Sue Ellen was at work and all that and course you were like turning into the domestic god at home and uh and basically uh let's wait see. i have was, a coupon uh, for that <laughs> <laughs> double coupon uh we're totally out of shrimp yeah you haven't even said how nice the house looks you're doing interesting things at the office and i'm stuck here cooking cleaning mowing helping melissa with her fastball being a role model for zach Spending quality time, time with, with Walter, Walter. Doing, doing your, your party, party shit. shit. You've got, got the car, car and you don't even take me anywhere. And when was the last time we even had dinner? dinner? I'm sick of not being appreciated. 
I appreciate you. Eat shit! <laughs> <laughs> you pulled the, the massive doily one already on me, but this has been uh, not just a cult classic, but a classic <laughs> certainly, you know, in our family. And, uh, uh, of course, you know, when it comes to uh, the dishes... You know, dishes are done. That's always a classic. Cleans them uh, down to the chef. But I like, uh, take the baked brie out of the oven, it'll caramelize. That's just a wonderful piece of dialogue, I think. That is great. Um, And I should have been there. I should have been with them, not on the roof, but reading Green Eggs and Ham or some shit like that. Oh, at the hospital. uh, That was my first day on camera. Just a couple of... A question for you, like sure. some of like the most fun that you had with uh, with the characters, Miss Sturak. Well, I never got to um, work on camera with Mrs. Sturak <laughs> because Kenny left the house before she showed up, and so I love the joke because we ditched her at the mortuary when we're parked in the car out front, hoping we don't get busted for hiding a dead body. And she goes on and on, it's not fair or whatever, are we doing the right thing? And I say, yeah, she was a great babysitter. <laughs> and I never set eyes on her at all. And I knew that and I'm doing it and I don't, and with Kenny, he knew that. And he's saying, <laughs> you know, I never saw her. So yeah, she's a great babysitter. So that's, I just love the um, completely way that we, I mean, you've got Melissa saying hack off her head. <laughs> so she'll fit in the box. Zach is like, she doesn't smell yet, you know, like a MacGyver. Um, what a demented family. And that is leftover remnants from when the movie's draft of the script had all of the kids suspects and the crazy aunt got involved and the police got involved and all of it. We didn't know who killed her. So they got <laughs> rid of all of that. They introduced the office stuff and it, you know, that's, you have that great, I call it working girl meets secret of my success. Yes, perfect. Meets home alone times five. Perfect wow, combo. Wait, classic. Keith, not only did you not meet Mrs. Sturak, you caused her death when she walks into Kenny's room and she sees the pizza crust on the she sees player. Her boob and the like teeth chattering and the pizza on the record. Just the worst room you've ever, I'm pretty sure my room gave her a heart attack and killed her. You did. <laughs> um, Liza. It's just so many. The Liza moment. Was that always in the script? The drag queen stealing the kid's car? Yes. And it was um, originally we shot, hey, what are you queers doing in our car? And when we released it, we changed it to what are you queens doing in our car? We felt it was more appropriate. I like that better. I do too. There's so every little moment. And they let us deep dive on them and cut out very little. I have to admit maybe two minutes tops of little beginnings, ends, or a moment that just didn't work. Keith, it's not just the script though. It's your line readings though. Well, I had a lot of help from Stephen Herrick and I also, yeah. And, and you know, I was comping other sources, but thank you. I like how you looked at Nicole. You didn't even say anything. You hey, just Nicole. had this like lewd and lascivious like thought when you got your hair cut with the Kenneth name tag. Um, well, I was kind of like busy and he's like, oh yeah, there's that girl that I kind of like. So it was like, it was more low key because he wasn't just doing nothing with his life. Um, and she was like, oh, she's checking you out. She sees the new Canada. She's biting her lip. She's like, oh, yeah. The sequel is me and Nicole. We need our kids babysat. You didn't get to spend time with Mrs. Sturak, but memories, though, with an actress you did spend time with, Christina Applegate. Can you share just your experience working with her? This was her first leading lady experience. How was that? It was, but it was another day at the office for her because she was stepping off of the set of uh, Married with Children to shoot this during the summer hiatus. And then 
go right back to work on my room with children. She was a friend prior to filming and we would get to set and, you know, she's an ultimate professional and working incredibly hard. She's there before anybody. Well, actually I was there to get my wig on before her, but she's working much later and she's in every scene in the damn movie and carrying a picture just like Elizabeth Shue did with um, Adventures of Babysitting and doing it you know, smoothly and making it look easy. Um, we were, we had both, Christina and I had worked since we were children. And so when you get to work, it's not social time. We've already had our social time, you know, at the Hollywood like kind of uh, kid, uh, like nightclub scene. There was actually a kid nightclub scene. Now I was never a big star and um, I wanted to kind of address that something you said earlier in the interview is my family always thought um, that it was better to be warm than to ever bet, get hot. My, my grandfather had been hot with the kid and yeah. then was cold for 45 years until Adam's family, Uncle Fester came along and then he's hot again. So, and he knows how fickle the industry could be. So they told me that at a very yeah. single digit age that, hey, it's not, you're not always going to work and not always going to love you. And, uh, you know, you're going to grow up and you're probably going to stop working at 13 like he did. Funny is I really started working a lot more because of John Hughes and the teenager movies were different than they were in 1921. So I got, I benefited from a time where teen movies, there was a lot, Goonies, Gremlins, E.T. I read for all of those films. Hey Keith, I was going to ask you, what were your, not competitors, but when you were auditioning, was there a crop of actors your same age and your same circuit that you would go up against for certain roles? worse you always see river phoenix there and um you'll uh you christian slater cool so many parts didn't you go in for the part of brian for don't tell mom you auditioned first for the josh charles part yes good research absolutely uh they had asked me to read for brian the clown dog boy right keith you came into audition all straight lace clean cut keith coogan then you left the audition Am I right? You put the Kenny wig on, came back in, did the like rock and roll entrance and completely like spun their minds of who is this mental patient barging in the room. I had arranged it with the casting director. She didn't know what exactly I was going to do, but I asked, I asked her, I said, can I come back in a few minutes and show you something? And she said, sure. Um, and then I went to the car and I changed into the ripped jeans and the skull vest and uh, the wig. And um, yeah, I kicked open the door uh, with her approval, but we didn't tell the producers. So I came in full Kenny, ah, let's do rock and roll and kind of blacked out totally in character. And then she goes, okay, Keith, go ahead and remove the wig. And it was a, it was a baseball cap over a wig. So, uh, um, Sebastian box style. So I pull it off and I'm like, hi, how you doing? And they're like, oh, okay. Cause they just see me unremarkably read for Brian the Clown Dog Boy. But this stunt, I guess I pulled it, it's not allowed, it's not approved of in Hollywood. You read for the rules that your agent approves and you submit for, and there's nope. certain rules in Hollywood. So it's interesting that on one of them that I had the impulse to- Barge down the door. Permission, see if I could break <laughs> those rules. Um, Cause I'd asked my agent, I said, when I got the script, I said, the Brian Clown Dog part is great, but hear me out a kind of a nerd who falls in love with the babysitter sounds like a Brad Anderson to me. 
I've played Brad Anderson. I love Kenny. What's this 15-year-old stoner heavy metal? Sh- it turns into a gourmet chef. And my agent said, you're too old for it. <laughs> so I pulled in an Emmett Smith. Well, it worked. And I went around him. It worked, and the rest is history. And look, 30 years later, it lives on. You know what you do want to keep track of is the redo. Warner Brothers is rebooting. Don't tell me all the yes. things you said. We had one uh, speaking black part, um, and that's a tragedy. Uh, thank you, Katrina. You know, that's horrible. Thank you, Katrina. That was the only spot of diversity. It's the only speaking person of color in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And that's indicative of a very white cinema of the 80s and white suburbia and those stories that were told. Um, so uh, they're redoing it with a black family. And I want to be the token white guy, please. If you have one white character, I want it to be the delivery guy who's like, dude, you're sorry your pizza's cold man i don't know something like that you guys just need those classic cameos because otherwise just call it a different movie if it's going to be called don't tell mom i need it to be anchored to the original but i do love that they're going to diversify because it's much needed and looking back you're like wow this is tunnel vision but come on just put kenny in there man come on maybe come on man there's a few great uh things um Recently, there was a uh, original pressing of the Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead t- soundtrack on vinyl, on beautiful colored vinyl, uh, waffle, Kenny waffle. Uh, um, I'm right on top of that rose red. They were beautiful, <laughs> limited edition, maybe a thousand a piece, and they're I think they're gone. But there there might be a few left of some alternate um, colors. But when I did that, um, we did a visit to the house. Um, And I hadn't been back to the house in 30 years. And we got permission from the owners to come on the property. Didn't go inside, but we got to go all around it. And, you know, a lot's changed around it. and It's been built up a little. But the house is, it had a few renovations where it's still absolutely recognizable as the uh, Don't Tell Mom house. Um, But uh, I can't recommend anybody go visit or go, you know, visit or step on the property. (laughs) Don't bug the owners. But you can search and i know i am not a stalker um uh she's got a a column with um la times magazine on movie locations but i think it's i am not a stalker.com and you can find the don't tell mom house there well you brought up the belgian waffles this is actually a perfect transition to game time figured we could play a little game called top chef kenneth crandall edition yes so in honor of kenny and his famous belgian waffles i wanted to throw some don't tell mom trivia at you it's funny because i talked to joanna cassidy as much as she knows the movie she doesn't know the nooks and crannies we were stumping her she doesn't know lines like they're gonna hang our uniforms in effigy that's a beautiful (laughs) line all right okay my best so these are the food-related questions relating to our beloved Don't Tell Mom. So every girl over 25 needs what vegetable in the house? Ding, ding, ding. Well, you need a cucumber in the house. <laughs> okay. Rose is elated by Gus. She wants to call CI Min and call in some blank shrimp to die for. What kind of shrimp does Rose wait, want? Wait, wait. Turn some, some shrimp. That's a really good question. I pass. I don't know. Naked shrimp is to die for. Naked okay, so shrimp. Of Rose loves naked shrimp. naked shrimp. That's great. Okay, this That's one great. you'll get. Is it hot Swell. in here? Are you hot? Is it hot in here? Am I flushing? Woo! She's so great. She opens her desk and there's makeup and a vanity in there. Such great little touches. How does Swell in order her martini? 
Well, he asked her, sweet or dry? And uh, she says, what? And he says, sweet or dry? And she goes, I don't know, a little bit of both, which is actually possible because you can have a very dry alcohol. You can have a dry martini. All right. Now, when Rose announces GAW is history, what candy does she immediately start gorging on? Well, she immediately sits down with her legs spread eagle um, <laughs> and uh, eats M&Ms off the floor while right. she chews through dialogue. And it's the most endearing. The thing about, I think, it's being able to show vulnerability is a really tough thing because you have to be strong in Hollywood and have a thick skin and stuff. But then they want you to be completely open and accessible. Look, screw you. You know how many jobs I had to audition for before I got this part? So um, it's hard to kind of make that shift. But Joanna shows that vulnerability. I've never seen a greater bit of comedy than her squat on the floor chowing m&ms oh my god that was her lowest point and that's when christina uplifts her like you know what i've got an idea right that's the it's big turnaround great, and where... the movie was based off of the um conceit you had all these movies where the parents left town and everything fell to hell um the Risky kids business. were getting lost yeah. or sent on pirate ships or at one point they shot them in this space in space camp so uh, the writer said what if the parents left town and the kids got their shit together and that's where Don't Tell Mom came from. Now, when Brian brings the clown dog delivery, the kids are fighting for the last bit of food. Yes. What is, what's the last bit of food they're fighting over? Well, it's the last snowball. It's the only food they got. Yeah. And I love that because you hear, what's great is you hear um, Danielle Harris let out, because she is a screen queen of her roles in Halloween pictures, you hear this blood curdling scream as Zach or me or torturing her. I love that you notice those little moments. It's all about them. So the clown dog, fill in the blank here. Clean the blank yourself, Mr. Egg. Then the fat vats yourself. <laughs> now you're almost doing that right. Not eating enough cleanser. No, no, you've got to put on a happy face. <laughs> With a really fun squeegee. <laughs> Mr. Egg, he's a little cracked. Oh, gosh, you're good. Now, speaking of, this is a hint for the next one. Rose wants to sit the superintendent of the schools down over what breakfast dish? Eggs, eggs, uh, Florentine. Bingo. All right. <laughs> okay, and our last two. Kathy shows up at the end of the party with a dish. She says, great house. Oh, wow. What's her dish? Wow. I brought some, I don't know, some canapes. What does she bring? Show them all. She brought a jello mold. All right. Okay. I was. You were there. And lastly, during the party, your famous line, Kenny. Swell, take the blank out of the oven. Take the baked brie out. It'll caramelize, baby. All right. So that is a clear winner. All right. I had two games. We'll do them back to back to keep us in the game zone. And in honor of Kenny's ultimate line, dishes are done, I wanted to play a game with you called Divas Are Done, Man. And I'm using divas right. in the old school way where they're not bitchy divas these are just legendary stars you've worked with a gamut of stars yes. and i wanted to run some by now if you had to quarantine with one or the other you tell me which diva you want to quarantine with keith okay <laughs> leading ladies edition here christina applegate or elizabeth shoe wow uh tough question you know what i haven't talked to elizabeth shoe as much since filming as Christina, so I'm going to shoot and say Elizabeth Shue. 
Josh Charles or David Duchovny, your don't tell mom bros. Who do you lock away with? I picked David Duchovny. Nothing against Josh. He's incredibly talented and funny as hell. But David, um, so prior, the first week of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, they shot um, the GAW sequences in a warehouse in um, Burbank. And I think they shot the you know interior of the floor with Franklin, the purchasing agent uh, in downtown LA. <laughs> My dad loves Franklin. Franklin, well, first from, of all, that um, actor was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes, I want my cigarette. And he was in Freeway. Yes. Oh, God. you Freeway? The one with Reese? Yes. Reese Witherspoon. That's one of my favorite movies. My favorite line in that movie is, you're fucked up, Bob. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't see a lot of movies that have the tone of Freeway. Nope. No. <laughs> they couldn't be made today, I feel like. Uh, Heather's is close. I love my dead gay son. Um, Heather's is close. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we got on the Franklin tangent. Uh, you're giving me a Dave Duchovny story. Oh, yeah. So even though I wasn't on camera, I stood off camera and I did all the phone stuff with Swell during her office. <laughs> cool. When she was talking to Kenny. Well, they broke for lunch and I go grab lunch and I go up to my trailer and I open the thing and I'm stopped by David Duchovny, who's Bruce, head inventory clerk. Nothing, no banaka, no head thing. None of that's in the script. David's bringing and characterizing something that's three lines of dialogue on the page, but there's a reason David is cast. Same with Jane Brooks, who played Caroline, talks like she's chewing her face. They were great, <laughs> you know, little bad guys. They were great bad guys. So um, David pulls me aside and David goes, how do you get a good agent? How do you get good parts? How do you get the, do, where, where do you study? What do you do? And I had given advice prior to a young lady in, in my, in our, in our neighborhood, there was like, I, you know, community party, mostly mom's party. So it was really boring for me as a kid. And one of them had a slightly older girl and she was, you know, um, maybe half black or I, I don't know. I, wait, I was like, oh, she's, you know, nice. And they go, she wants to be an actress. You should tell her. And I told her the same spiel that I told David. And that was Lisa Bonet. So I break down to David, well, here's what you do. And I, you know, SAG and think an agent's thing. And then there's a cycle where you can't get a job without being union. You can't get union without being an agent and a job. You can't get an agent without having a job and union. So you have to break through somewhere. I broke down the same thing to David. Afterwards, I read for a show called Red Shoe Diaries. Would you be the narrator? Now, there's things where you read for stuff and you know you're <laughs> terribly miscast. So when I read for Lloyd Dobler, I knew I was miscast for saying anything. Oh, when I read for 16 Candles, I knew Anthony Michael Hall's going to get this job. There's no question about that. You wind up reading for things you're like, I am not right for that. I, wrote, I read for uh, True Romance. Wow, the there's Christian no Slater part? Christian Slater yeah. shouldn't have been the star of True Romance. Come on, Quentin. That was an awkward elevator ride. You get in the elevator... And there's Christian in the elevator with you. And you know he's reading for the same part. And you're just like, hey, what's up, Christian? Fuck, he's going to get this. So me and Christian Slater would see each other at, at like conjoined cast parties. When we were shooting Cousins, they were also having a party for Who's Harry Crumb and The Fly 2. So I got to hang out with John Candy and um, Daphne Zuniga. Yes. That's incredible, though. John Candy, that's a John legend. Candy bought me a rum and coke. <laughs> Rum and Coke's a junk candy. Now I'm joking. Anyway, where was I? Duchovny. So Duchovny grills me and I spend an hour breaking down as much as I knew about the industry. And I told him, you start with commercials, then you do guest appearances, then you do series, and then you, you know, try to break into movies, do theater, all that stuff. 
Well, he got, you know, breaks really quickly and became superstar. I wound up reading for an episode of Californication. And I go in and there is everybody that I know in the industry of a certain age with a certain child star kind of a thingy. And um, who gets it? Rick Springfield. You were there for the groundwork of the Duchovny you know, <laughs> revolution. I hope I helped. I don't know if he remembers me. Here's something I'm wondering if you remember. This movie you were in called The Godson. I love The Godson, yes. Now, please, please tell me you have a Rodney Dangerfield story, because this is a Rodney Dangerfield movie right from the end of his career with Dom DeLuise. This was my divas or dunk question. Would you rather quarantine with Rodney or Dom DeLuise? For me, I uh, spent a lot of time with Rodney, so I'm going to go with Dom. <laughs> Rodney is... Uh, was a living legend at the time. It was one of the last projects he worked on. So I am looking for work and I have done everything in Hollywood. I've done every job behind the camera. Um, I called them out of the blue and I said, hey, do you have any movies coming up or anything you know, I could do? And they went, hold on. Came back to me and they said, how would you like to be Rodney's driver? And I went, what? They're like, he needs to get her on time. We need someone we can trust and someone who's not gonna bother Rodney. And I'm like, I, I can play a driver just fine. So I go and I pick up Rodney and I've got him for like two weeks, we've got Rodney. So I go and he's not coming down and he's not answering his thingy. And they go, we've let him know and he's on his way. I'm like, fine, I'm like panicking. Um, and I've got to drive up to Valencia, Magic Mountain. And so I gotta deal with traffic. So I no problem, I get him. He, we get in the car and I've got a long 10 blocks basically just really heavy traffic to get through Westwood to get to the freeway. And Rodney sparks up. He's got a cigatube that's about this long and he packs it with medicinal quality shake. Rodney's smoking weed in the back of the car. I go, hey, that's his prerogative. He wants to do that. That's great. <laughs> he rolls down the window just to, you know, and there's a flower van there and the guy looks over and goes, Rodney, hey, Rodney, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, yeah. good to see you. Good. He never puts it down. Then they go, can you help Rodney get dressed? And I go, no, I'm not wardrobe. I'm just, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm a driver. I'm going to take care of the car and make sure he gets here and there. If he's not on set, he's sitting in a director's chair, 20 feet from camera, out of the way, writing material and, and calling people. Hey, you, come wow. here. What do you think of this? And trying out jokes on people. He just never stopped. And was he his, his lively Rodney self? I know this is towards the end. Was he, did he still light up and like give movie star Rodney? 100%. I mean, he had just come off of natural born killers and some of the best really really great work that was very effective so you know i'd already seen his work in that when i'm driving him plus i got the you know the guy that's like oh can't get no respect he was fantastic he was always he was pretty much always on and then i went to go check on him once and um i never opened his trailer again because i opened his trailer okay. rodney and he goes yeah come in i opened his trailer and he's standing there with his back to me, no pants on, and a shirt on that covers about half of his ass. And there's Rodney's ass, and God bless him, his balls hanging down. I saw Rodney <laughs> at Rodney balls. I saw Rodney balls. Oh, sorry, Mr. Rodney. He goes, no, can you help me get dressed? And I'm like, oh, I'll get wardrobe in a second. Because he had suspenders and stuff, and I'm not going to... Stop. There's people way more qualified to help Rodney Dangerfield get breath. balls tangled up in the suspenders? I can't. No. No, we need you on set. <laughs> One minute, I got an emergency. <laughs>
Rodney. So I had an inside joke with some friends about Rodney balls. We got an exclusive here. Rodney's raging balls that poor Keith had to contend with. It is a different level of filmmaking, but something that a lot of people did, I know, and worked on so many B-grade movies that it's so fun to make. You're still making a movie. And every once in a while, you make a little jump. Well, dude, you've made so many gems and you've given me so much of your time. Keith, I can't thank you enough for going on and on and playing. Well, I'll talk your ear off. I love your love for the movies. I really do. And you grew up wanting to be in the industry. And like you said, every day, something in your past is something new for someone streaming. So there's a Keith yep. Coogan fan daily, and that's an exciting time. Your work gets to live on and stream on. And I love that. Uh, I miss the theater yeah. experience. That's it's killing me. I, I It's nice. I got a nice big TV and every... Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, Apple, Disney, all of it. Streaming away, and, but uh, nothing replicates the it, communal I mean, experience of being in the theater, getting your popcorn, getting through the previews, yeah. refilling your Diet Coke. Although I gave that up this year. I'm drinking water now. It's so depressing. Having to decide where to pee. There's a great website that goes and finds new releases <laughs> and then finds the bathroom spots. And then they go, this is, you absolutely can go to the bathroom during the scene. It's slow. It's boring. It doesn't advance the plot. Like, when this happens, go run. All right, well, it's the controversial happen. question, and don't tell mom, when do you pee? Where do you go? <laughs> I hate to say it. I go when they go grunting running. Uh, yes, touche. You know, there we go. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Hot take, hot take, Keith. We're going viral <laughs> on that one. Oh, man. Anyhow, sending love. Big P, thank you for joining us. Absolutely, you got it. Thanks, okay. Big P. Thanks, All right. Brian. All right. Take Thanks, care, Keith. Guys. Stay safe. God bless. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> Later, guys. Thanks.